As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, the Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every single day and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast like this one. Download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E. It's, uh, I don't know why they didn't let me use D period, but they didn't. So follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live every Wednesday, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, and join me when we go live every Wednesday night at Club 34-7. What's up, guys? Week number 17, wrapping up the preview episodes to uh, get you ready for Sunday First game of 2022 when our Bears uh, return home for the final time uh, for this season to take on the New York Giants uh, on Sunday. And, um, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot that goes into this show. I mean, the the stakes on this game are, well, there really are none. Um, the, the Giants have announced that uh, Joe Judge will be back in 2022 and uh, that uh, we pretty much know that... Um, Nagy will not be back in 2022 and the the questions that we want answered in regards to the Bears and their future uh, probably won't take place until next Monday on the 10th of January uh, when you know Black Monday occurs or whoever's whoever's left to get fired will will get fired and uh, uh, and what have you or or maybe the Bears will make us wait a few days before they have another embarrassing uh press conference where they make all the wrong decisions uh once again so who knows the real questions that we have going into this game is who's going to be playing um because we had we had guys come off the COVID list uh I don't think we've added anyone back to the list this week Uh, I've been watching closely Uh, I know we got Allen Robinson back Jalen Johnson is back Deshaun Gibson uh is back I think we still have some guys on the list, but those were the heavy hitters that we... Well, actually, you know what? I haven't heard that Akeem Hicks is back yet. So that's one guy whose name was on that list that I haven't heard has come back yet. But pretty much everybody else has back as far as I know. I mean, as far as like somebody that we would want to see play on Sunday. Maybe Jesper Horstead. I haven't heard he's cleared protocols yet either. But, you know, we'll uh, we'll talk about it. Uh, lots to talk about in uh, news and notes. Some uh, some sad news, part of which we shared yesterday with the death of Jeff Dickerson. Um, but sad news with a happy twist. Um, we'll talk about uh, John Madden. Devin Hester got some really great news today. We have our injury report. Uh, and we got a couple of keys uh, to the game because both teams are just not very good football teams. So sitting here talking about X and O's just... Uh, uh, you know, we know we want to watch out for Saquon Barkley. If we've got him pinned, we've pretty much got them beat because uh, their quarterbacks going into this game are Jake Fromm and <laughs> Mike Glennon. So, yeah, if we lose to either one of those guys, we freaking deserve it. So, anyway, let's go ahead and get the show started. This is the Week 17 Deep Dive Preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the Last episode of 2021 previewing week number 17, which in most seasons would be the season finale. However, thanks to the NFL adding another week to the schedule, we got one more week to go when we uh, have our beloved march up north to Minnesota to finish out the season against the Vikings for literally the sixth time in the last seven years. And uh, 
that's just uh, boring. So, I mean, we'll see if the Bears can pull it off for the fourth year in a row to, to beat Minnesota up there, uh, especially since this will be like the third year in those four years where there have been stakes for Minnesota. In 2018, they if you know you know they win and they're in the playoffs, and we went out there and housed them, even though we were locked in at number th- number two, something like that. And uh, you know, then uh, 20, 2019, they were no, I think they were locked in. They were, I think they were locked in as a six seed in 2019. So it didn't really matter if they won or they lost, and we ended up beating their JV squad with a last second field goal last year. It was. Um, you know, neither team was going anywhere last year. I mean, we ended up going to the playoffs, but we didn't really go anywhere, did we? And then this year, um, I think right now the Vikings on the outside going in, I think they're number eight or number nine on the list for seven teams to get in. I think Minnesota, no, Philadelphia is the seven seed uh, right now, but they're eight and seven, uh, just like uh, Philly and uh Washington? No, Washington's done. I think Washington's finished. But So they're on the outside looking in. They very well could be playing for their playoff lives because uh, they could also be in a spot where they get eliminated from the playoffs by the Packers on Sunday Night Football. So we'll see. But, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, we got this game on Sunday. And, um, you know, with me and my uh, observational brain, uh, noticing that uh, last year the Giants were our home opener in week number two, uh, and this year they will be our home finale. And because we play the NFC East next year, we get to play them again. Uh, although I think that one is in New York. Yeah, 2019 we played them in Chicago. Actually, 2019, 2020, we played them in Chicago. And, uh, yeah, so 2019 was the year that we played the NFC East. So you always flip it from what it was before. We played the Cowboys and the Giants at home. So we'll play the Cowboys and the Giants on the road next year. We'll host the Eagles and the whatever the Washington football team is going to be called. We can stop calling them the Washington football team and give them an actual nickname the red wolves or the red tails or you know the gorillas for all i care anything but the washington football team i hate that name um so when we get the nfc east next year obviously the giants would be on that schedule otherwise i think we would have missed them because they were the fourth place finisher we're going to finish in third uh in our division so they would not be a same place opponent next year right now i think we're locked into san francisco and maybe Carolina? Atlanta. Or actually, is it uh, New Orleans? The, the, the NFC South, from like second place down, there's only a game separating the three places because Tampa Bay's just got the division housed right now. So I don't, it'll, be, it'll either be New Orleans or Atlanta that is the third place finisher in the South. And um, so it would be the, the 49ers, I think, are locked in at three in the... Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. In a, NFC West, even though they're probably making the playoffs this year, they're in right now. I think they're the five or the six in the NFC. And um, it would be the Atlanta or New Orleans, whichever one finishes in third place there, that would be our same place 
uh, opponents. And I think our AFC South same place division is the, is the AFC South. So that would be the Texans right now. Hmm. 2022 is looking up, huh? <laughs> you get the NFC East, which should be awesome with the, You know, right now, right now, it looks like the Cowboys would be the only tough team in that schedule. Uh, well, maybe the Eagles, but, uh, and we got the AFC East, which is Buffalo and New England, okay, Miami uh, and the Jets. So we'll see how that one shakes out. It's a better division than it was when we faced them in 2018, which is funny because that was the year that we kicked ass, but we went 2-2 two and two against that division. We lost to New England and uh, Miami back-to-back, as a matter of fact. Um, we were 3-1, and one, then we went in the bye week and then went down into Miami just – that was the first time that we learned Matt Nagy couldn't get a team ready coming off a bye. And then we lost at home to New England before we went on a five-game winning streak. So, um, yeah, there's that. So, yeah, the 2022 win schedule is going to be pretty interesting. And I also think that we get nine home games instead of eight because we were eight at home, nine on the road this year. So, But enough of all that. Um I mean, it's it's uh, it's not going to be a very like a, it's going to be a low stakes game. So much to the point that it's on NBC and not Fox, or excuse me, CBS. I've been watching the uh, I watched the All Madden documentary today, and he finished his career on NBC doing Sunday Night Football. Um, so for some reason, that's what was stuck in my head. But um, you know, we. Uh, we take on the uh, the Giants, and uh, we're favored by six points. That's how bad a football team the Giants are, that we are the favored. Number one, we are the favored team, and it's not like we're favored by one point or two point like we were when we went to 0-10 uh, Detroit for Thanksgiving. We're favored by six. So that's how bad the Giants are. I mean, it's... It, I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling. You know, we are not a good football team. We are a very jumbled team, but it's also been ravaged by, by injuries, by COVID, and we, we've had our, you know, we've talked all season long about the coaching and the play calling and, you know, how different this team would have been if, if Nagy had a mind for personnel and how to use it because um, – uh, we'll just go ahead and get into news and notes. An interesting uh, tweet that I saw uh, the, was it yesterday or today was a uh, and was what, what are we had our friend Eric Lambert on the show yesterday to preview our coaching uh, candidates and he put out an article I believe yesterday about Cordero Patterson and how um, you know Nagy would probably be better served to be a scout because he certainly knows talent when he sees it. Because when when Patterson finished his one-year deal in New England in 2018, Nagy was pushing for us to sign Cordell Patterson. He's like, go out and get this guy. We, we got to have him, blah, blah, blah. So we go out and we make it happen. We bring him in, and then it said in the article, Patterson touched the ball 28 times in all of 2019. Now, granted... This was also the year, this was David Montgomery's rookie year, and it was also when we had a healthy Tariq Cohen on the team. So there wasn't, there's only one football to go around, but for, for all the, you know, excitement and having Cordero Patterson, he barely used him at all in 2019. And then come, come, you know, come across 2020, Tariq Cohen goes down early in week number three. But never mind the fact that, uh, you know, Patterson made the Pro Bowl in 2019 as a special teamer for us. Um, but in 2020, Patterson was a much bigger part of the offense. Uh, a, probably because by design, because Nagy realized he barely used this asset the year before. And B, Tariq Cohen went down week number three. So we had Cohen for like, what, two and a half quarters? Or excuse me, two and a half day, uh, games. You know, I think he went down early in the third quarter uh, of the Falcons game, week number three. And, you know... He still, despite all that, still only touched the ball, I think it said 68 times, most of which were like handoffs out of the backfield as opposed to 
what the Falcons did with him this year, which was he was a Swift's Army knife. He's still a special teams guy, uh, one of the best. Somehow did not make the Pro Bowl in Atlanta, but Jakeem Grant did. I mean, I'm happy for Jakeem Grant, and I'm glad that we have somebody representing us in the Pro Bowl, but there's no way Jakeem Grant had a better year than Cordell Patterson did. And um, But, you know, Patterson, I think, is over 1,000 yards in total yards from scrimmage this year, running the ball out of the backfield and making catches uh, out of the backfield. So it's, um, you know, if the Bears had used him like that, imagine the tool that he could have been. Imagine what our offense could have been if if Nagy would have adjusted his scheme to fit what his players were good at with. I mean, we've been saying that all along with Justin Fields and, uh, you know, protecting this offensive line and how we run the football, you know, with the power eye and uh, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it just it's going to be the one uh, a major what if as far as uh, looking back on the legacy of uh, the uh, the Matt Nagy era, the way that it started and the way that it just really petered out in those last uh, three seasons, you know, and somehow we mercilessly made it into the playoffs last year because the NFC was not a very good conference uh, a year ago, which is proving to be true again uh, this year. But, you know, it just didn't, he wasn't able to backdoor his way in uh, like we did last year. So um, it was quite an interesting uh, article that, uh, you know, he's, you know, they went out and they he it was it was him that was pounding the table for Jalen Johnson and things like it's a really interesting article if you can dig it up on sportsmockery uh, dot com about uh, about Cordell Patterson and what it says about Matt Nagy and what it also says negatively about Nagy as far as he knows talent when he can see it, but he doesn't really have a, a, a head for using it because you know we've got a lot of guys on this we've got we've got talent on this team there's no mistaking that we do know. But I'm sure that, you know, a more focused or I don't want to say focused, but uh, um, a better served offensive mind would have found a, a way to use Daz Newsome far earlier than when we when we when he finally got a chance. When basically when we were down to the bone as far as our, our roster, that's when Daz Newsome finally saw the field. I don't think we would have had to wait for week 13 or week 14 or whatever it was for Rodney Adams to get called up from the practice squad with you know with all the trouble that we've had with Marquise Goodwin in that foot injury he's been out a while and uh and all that kind of stuff we would have found ways to use those guys or god forbid man Brashad Berriman we went ahead and cut Rodney Adams from the team to make room for him and then he was inactive for nine games uh, as a Chicago Bear gets picked up by by Tampa Bay, and he's not down there tearing up the world or anything, but he's playing for them immediately and scores a walk-off touchdown for them in, in overtime against the Bills uh, a few weeks ago when he never saw the field in a Bear uniform, and we sacrificed a roster spot to put him on the football team and then didn't use him. It just doesn't make sense. So... I mean, there's tons of examples to go up and down the list, but that's not what we're here. It just, it was a really interesting article, so dig it up if you can find it uh, on uh, on Sports Mockery, or just look in uh, Eric's timeline on, on Twitter. It'll be in there. That's where I found it. So, but uh, anyway, um, you guys remember uh, yesterday I talked about uh, Jeff Dickerson, um, the longtime reporter, uh, beep reporter for the Bears. Uh, for ESPN, ESPN 1000, and ESPN Chicago. Um, lost a what, what I believe was a year-long uh, battle with uh, colon cancer, died of complications on Wednesday. And um, the happy twist from this is that um, someone started a GoFundMe page for his son with a goal of $100,000. And in 24 hours... I believe at the last time I checked, it was over 850,000, which means it could be over 900 by this point. This, this, the outpouring and it, and the, the what's even more remarkable than the money is where it's been coming from. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie, the, the owner of the Eagles, the Green Bay Packers, the Indianapolis Colts, and then a separate donation from Jim Ursay, their owner. Um, Andy Dalton made a donation, I'm sure several players. Uh, have as well, whether anonymous, anonymously or, you know, putting their name um, out there. 
And, um, I mean, that's, what's truly been, uh, amazing is, is not just the money that's poured in in such a short period of time, but where the money has been coming from and what that says about Jeff and, uh, the legacy that he leaves behind, um, not really even so much as a reporter, but just as somebody that was so highly thought of by so many different people. And I think that's a beautiful tribute to him and something that his uh, son can take enormous comfort in is that, um, you know, he's going to be fine. And even from the great beyond, his dad is taking care of him because his dad's friends are pitching in. It's amazing. So, you know, sad story has a happy twist to it. And um, I'm sure that the tally will will keep going, and I'm, I'm interested to see where it ends up at. Um, speaking of deaths, um, uh, John Madden also passed away yesterday, which is the other unfortunate part of Jeff uh, passing away yesterday is that he uh, fate chose for him to leave on the same day that one of the true icons in pro football history passed away as well. It's kind of like, um, you know, does anybody remember that uh, like Farrah Fawcett died the same day that Michael Jackson did? Probably not because Michael Jackson died, which kind of overshadowed everything else that happened that day. Um, as, a, as a Kiss fan, it happened uh, to us where uh, Freddie Mercury from Queen died on the same day as Kiss's former drummer, Eric Carr. So, you know, somebody that was beloved and, uh, you know, by Kiss fans and, uh, you know, all around the world, it's a day that's forgotten because, or it's a, it's an event that is forgotten because somebody on a, somebody bigger than him passed away on the same day, November 24th, 1991. So we Kiss fans remember that Eric Carr passed away and it's been 30 years. God, where does the time go? And, um, and everything. So, but uh, Jeff uh, has the honor of uh, sharing his departure day with with the great John Madden, and um, you know, Coach Madden's coaching career, I believe, was done. Uh, I think I was still a little guy. I don't remember what year Madden retired from coaching, but he was only forty two years old, younger than I am now, when he retired from coaching with the Raiders. Um, and most of that time, the Raiders were. I think a good portion of that time that he was the head coach, they were on a 14 game, still on a 14 game schedule. And, uh, you know, he was playing in the coaching in the AFC, formerly the AFL, um, contending with the, the Don Shula, Miami dolphins and the Chuck Knoll Pittsburgh Steelers, which pretty much dominated the decade. Um, the, the dolphins went to three straight super bowls, six, seven, and eight and won two of them, seven and eight. Uh, the Raiders went to nine, 10, 13, and 14. And, um, you know, 11 was the year that Madden finally got the Raiders to the Super Bowl, and they beat the Vikings in rather convincing fashion, 32 to 14 in Super Bowl 11. Super Bowl 12 was the outlier because that's where the Cowboys beat the Broncos. Uh, I was like, the Broncos went to the Super Bowl long before Elway came to town. So that was interesting. I used to read up on that stuff a lot when I was a kid. But, you know, for, for all the greatness that he that he displayed as a head coach, he won 100 games in 10 seasons when the majority of the time he was coaching was a 10-game schedule. Not easy to do. And um, he made his real mark in his years after his coaching days when he became an announcer and then as far as the pop culture world is concerned, became the figurehead for the most successful video game sports franchise in the world, the, the Madden football franchise. And, you know, it, it, uh, it became of, uh, you know, I don't want to say a verb, but it became its own brand, you know, kind of like Jordan became a brand for, for Nike. I mean, it's, 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 I wouldn't fault anyone for not knowing that Jordan was a Nike brand because it's its own brand, you know, and Madden became its own thing. And, uh, you know, nobody talked about playing 
well, you want to go play football in the video game? It's like, no. Do you want to go play Madden? That that was the question. And, um, you know, for for someone who's who's lost touch with the gaming world uh, over the years, I still have. I have an Xbox One. I don't know if I'm ever going to upgrade to a PS5 or a Xbox whatever the hell it is now, X series or whatever. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it, it used to be that, you know, you got your hands on every version uh, of Madden. You got it, you know, every year and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I kind of uh, kind of lost touch with the game before online became a real thing, uh, you know, and, and, you know, most people, I mean, I I kind of wish it was there when I was younger, like during the Sega Genesis days, uh, not always needing someone to play with or, you know, because after a while you become really good at the game and you, you get pissed off if you win anything less than 91 to nothing uh, or something like that. You're like, man, screw this game. It's only 85 to 6, you know, or something like that. Or, or you get really pissed and throw the controller if the, the computer has the nerve to score a touchdown on you or something like that you're going for it on fourth and 27 and whatnot but um uh you know i i, I kind of uh backed away from you know the the year after year purchasing uh before all that really took hold the online and everything and, and i think i prefer it the old way um before you were you know building rosters and uh and all that kind of stuff i just wanted to play the game i didn't really i don't really enjoy the game as it is now where it's it's still a video game but it's far more of a a simulation and uh, you know maybe it's because it's become uh, for me anyway it's become a harder game to play uh, and all that kind of stuff I just want to go out there and and play the it's a video game so I just want to go out there and have fun playing the game uh, being able to to run the ball I don't need to run for 38 yards of carry or anything like that, but anytime I tried to run the football, no matter what team I had, I was I was throwing a parade in the streets if I got a two yard gain or something like that. It was ridiculous how hard some of this stuff would become. So, you know, and I'm sure there's you guys, some of you listening to this, be like, dude, the game's not that hard. Just have to pay attention, or you have to do this, or you know that, or whatever. It's like it's just a video game. I want to plug in and just have fun, kind of like you know when you have Grand Theft Auto. You don't really have to play the missions in order to have fun. It's like, I don't need to go in there and win Super Bowls in franchise mode to enjoy the game. I could just plug in and, you know, play the 85 Bears against the 78 Steelers or, you know, the 93 uh, Cowboys or something like that and see how they measure up as far as the game is concerned and watch Walter Payton run over Charles Haley and things like that. I would much rather just do that than have to worry about my quarterback's rating and, you know, the like, well, I don't want to throw the ball here because so-and-so's got 45 hands or something like Just, Just want to play the game, you know. <laughs> so I really kind of uh, lost my taste for it uh, and everything. I think I prefer it the way it was. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be – I preferred it was when it was a little less realistic, so – uh, I always liked the innovation and the graphics and how the game looked uh, and everything, but when they upped the difficulty degree along with how the game itself looked, that's where they kind of lost me, when it became more of a simulation instead of a video game. So call me crazy. But uh, Madden was the was the driving force behind that. He was one of the greatest, if not the greatest, color man uh, in the history of uh, broadcasting. Uh, for for football, he was uh, an enormous character, and uh, you know he's been out of the public eye for a while. And I think I think it's at two thousand nine. I didn't realize it'd been gone that long, but um, you know he's uh, definitely been missed and will continue to be missed. And uh, now we don't get to see him around uh, anymore. So rest in peace, coach. Um, and let's have some fun now. Let's talk about happier things uh the bears bears nation got some good news today when it was announced that uh devin hester the windy city flyer himself is a hall of fame finalist in his first year of eligibility it's down to the last 15 guys the winners will be announced i believe at the the winners the the inductees will be announced at the um I believe the NFL honors ceremony the night before the Super Bowl. The finalists, along with Devin, 
are Jared Allen, defensive end, uh, one-time bear for a little bit there. Uh, Jared Allen, uh, Willie Anderson, I believe that's the uh, offensive lineman, not uh, Flipper Anderson, the wide receiver. Uh, Rondé Barber, the DB. Tony Baselli, one of my heroes growing up. Um, Leroy Butler, Packer, creator of the Lambeau Leap, Devin Hester. Torrey Holt, wide receiver for the greatest show on turf. Andre Johnson for the Texans. I believe he's the first one from Houston to be eligible. First Texan to make it if he does. Uh, linebacker Sam Mills, long overdue as far as I'm concerned. Richard Seymour, defensive end for the um, uh, Patriots when they won their first three. The first, uh, the dynasty, if you will, back in uh, Super Bowl 36, 38, and 39. Linebacker Zach Thomas, uh, DeMarcus Ware, defensive end. Reggie Wayne, wide receiver for the Colts. Patrick Willis, linebacker for the Niners. And Bryant Young, defensive young, uh, lineman for the Niners. So a lot of Niners on the list. But uh, Devin's the only one representing the blue and orange. I think it'd be a travesty if he doesn't get in. And I fear what will happen in the future if he doesn't get in on the first try. Um, because, I mean, hell, even, even watching the Madden documentary today, uh, Madden's first year of eligibility, I don't even remember when that was, but he talked about it in his all-Madden documentary, said that um, he didn't make it in in his first year of eligibility. He was a finalist and didn't make it in. And then... There were years after that he didn't even make it into the finalist. He was finally inducted in 2006. Um, it was quite a class that he went in with, too. If I'm not mistaken, I think that was the year that uh, Warren Moon win as well because I wanted to go see that. Warren was my favorite player after Sweetness retired. But, um, you know, I fear it, it might be something like that. Like if Devin doesn't get in on the first try, I don't know that, uh, you know, the classes that come after him – what guys are going to be there that are kind of kind of force him down uh, the list if he doesn't make it in on this shot. I mean, looking at this list, I like Devin's chances. I really do. So hopefully he will make it in. I think six guys, five or six, get to go for sure. And because uh, I think that now that the um, like the NFL did the expansion like in twenty and twenty twenty and twenty twenty one, that's how Jimbo Covert uh, got in last this past year. Uh, and everything. I don't know if they're still expanding so that it's uh, trying to get some more guys in that deserve to go or if they're back down to the regular uh, five guys and two old-timers kind of thing. So we'll see. But uh, we'll find out Super Bowl weekend if uh, Devin gets his gold jacket, which he absolutely deserves. But like I said, I kind of fear what will happen in the future if he doesn't get in on this first ballot that, you know, the candidates that pop up on the list you know, down the road might be pushing him further down, making it more difficult for him uh, to get in. So let's hope and pray. And, and, and uh, you know, if we if there's a fan vote or whatever, make sure we do our part to get our guy uh, into Canton because he deserves to be there. So, and uh, uh, Montgomery, David Montgomery, um, <laughs> one of the more interesting segments on Good Morning Football uh, Kyle Brandt, uh, Chicago man uh, himself, lifelong Bears fan, does a, uh, a a segment called Angry Runs where he pretty much gives praise to the uh, players that Sunday or that weekend that ran the ball angry. So stiff-arming somebody into the ground, knocking somebody over, giving them a shoulder and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and Devin Hester had some pretty stiff competition uh, this week, I was actually watching uh, Good Morning Football that morning, and um, it was Montgomery, and it was um, Clyde uh, Edwards, uh, Elaire from the uh, from the Chiefs, and you know from the looks of it, I thought they were going to give it to um, Clyde, uh, Clyde Edwards because um, he got a handoff inside the five yard line and immediately was run into by two Pittsburgh Steelers was able to shake them off and run into the end zone. And the reason that Kyle Brandt, um, the reasoning that Kyle Brandt gave for going with Montgomery was because Montgomery sought out 
the contact with the defensive back. I'm sure everyone remembers this. If you're watching the game on Sunday, uh, it was a run to the right side. He uh, breaks outside. He gets into the second level, finds a DB, lowers his shoulder, boom, knocks him flat on his back and gets a few yards before being uh, run down. Whereas Edwards Hilaire was pretty much just able to withstand the hit that came from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you know, as they say, uh, David Montgomery went looking for it. You know, he went out and he found, uh, he, he found his bitch and knocked him over. And, uh, the, the, there was a post on the bears Twitter account today of, uh, David, uh, Montgomery wearing the angry runs t-shirt and holding the angry runs scepter that is, uh, bestowed upon each winner of the award. So, uh, very cool to see uh, Montgomery uh, get that for the for a pretty awesome run that he made against the Seahawks on Sunday. And then finally, if in news and notes, we got our injury report. And, um, yeah, the big names on this list, um, Justin Fields and Jason Peters, both with ankle injuries, both limited in uh, practice on Wednesday and Thursday, Duke Shelley uh, was back in back performing uh, in practice today. Andy Dalton, Eddie Goldman, Jakeem Grant, who I guess is uh, cleared concussion protocol. Tevin Jenkins with a soldier injury that kept him that uh, took him out of the game on Sunday has been practicing. Caleb Johnson haven't seen him in a while. Christian Jones, uh, Darnell Mooney. And Cairo Santos, all for t- full participation. So everybody looks to be on track to play on Sunday. Marquise Goodwin didn't practice today with a um, illness, so maybe just a cold, hopefully, knock on wood. And uh, J.P. Holtz was out for personal reasons today. But, uh, you know, the, the the names we obviously want to keep an eye on, especially for this week, are um, – well, the name is Justin Fields. So I, I wonder, I really wonder if Nagy has the balls to sit Justin Fields if he's ready to go. Um, and then, then what's even more interesting is that Andy Dalton has been in a full participant this week and Nick Foles won a football game last week. So he would really be torn on which one of his boys does he uh, throw in there if uh, Justin Fields isn't ready. And uh, I would love to see how that one is going to unfold. Is he going to stick with the whole Andy's our starter thing? Or will he go with the hot hand for the first time in his career? You know, who knows? But that's that's what kind of makes keys to the game, which we're going to do here in a minute, uh, kind of interesting. The keys to the game that I have, and I only have two, are very general because I don't know who's playing on Sunday. So I don't know if we want to... um, what we want to do as far as running the ball or, you know, how the passing game is going to work. Cause I don't know who's going to be taking the snaps uh, and everything. I don't know how healthy Allen Robinson is uh, someone who says he lost 10 pounds and was sicker than he's been. Probably hasn't been that sick since high school, he says, and legitimately lost 10 pounds while he was out for the last two weeks. So is he going to be ready to go like a hundred percent and all that kind of stuff? Guy needs to put some tape together because he's got 32 catches for like 358 and one touchdown this year, making 17.8 million on the franchise tag. Not a good look. So we'll see how it all uh, turns out. But um, you know, and like I said, I think the only big name that I can think of that's still on the COVID list would be Akeem Hicks. And uh, so I'm not hearing anything about him. He does have, and literally until Sunday to clear protocols to see if he can come back in and play, but not having practiced all week, I don't know if he would play. So we'll have to wait and see uh, on that one. So anyway, that's going to do it for news and notes. Let's go ahead and uh, take a minute to give ear to our sponsor. We'll come back, keys to the game, and then wrap this bad boy up. (coughs) This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, Spotify Green Room is free, audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Talk with other sports fans, insiders, athletes, and executives in real time. Join in on conversations with me at Club 34-7 and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast. I'll be hosting rooms every week 
uh, for Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come through and talk to me live on Club 34-7. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live. And again, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, you can join me on the Spotify Green Room for Club 34-7. Come in. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk bears. Let's talk whatever you want. But in order to do that, you got to download the Spotify Green Room anywhere you get your apps. <laughs> Keys to the game for week number 17 for our beloved Chicago Bears taking on the Visiting New York Giants, and for the first time in a very long time, at least that I can think of, we're playing against somebody who's got a record worse than us. If you want to do the math real quick, because week six was Green Bay. They they were four and one, we were three and two. Week seven was Tampa Bay, they were better than us. Week eight was the 49ers. I think we had the same record as the Niners. Maybe that was the last time we had a better record than somebody. Because going into that one, we were three and four. And I think they were two and five, something like that. So I think that was that. Okay, now that becomes the last time that we played somebody where we had a better record than them. Then week nine against the Steelers, they were better than, they had a better record than we did. Week 11, the Ravens obviously had a better record. We had opposite records, like 6-3 and three versus 3-6. Three and six. Um, Well, yeah, then, of course, the what the hell am I saying? <laughs> the Lions game on Thanksgiving where they had zero wins and they were our fourth victory uh, of the season. But um, what's really messed up is that uh, if we lose this game on Sunday, it will be... The last time that we won a game at home was week four against Detroit because we haven't won a home game since. It was Green Bay, then San Francisco, then Baltimore, then Minnesota? No, Arizona, then Minnesota. We lost all five of those games. So we haven't won since we beat the 0-3 Lions in week four, uh, in Chicago, that is. So our last two victories were road wins against the Steelers, excuse me, the Raiders and the Lions. So, Oh, and then this past Sunday against the Seahawks, we won in Seattle, not at home. So we don't win this one. We would not have won a home game. You know, like when we play in 2022, our first home game in September will be our first chance to win a game in almost a, almost a full calendar year if we don't win this one on Sunday. Uh, all signs point to us winning this game. It's a good thing um, because all signs also point to this being what should be a relatively easy game for us to win. Um, stopping Saquon Barkley pretty much will shut down their offense because Kenny Galladay, their top free agent signing wide receiver, having the same problem in New York that he had in Detroit, and that is staying healthy. Um, so I don't think we're playing him at all. Uh, on Sunday, Daniel Jones, their top pick from a couple of years ago, their quarterback, also not playing. Their offensive line uh, is banged up and terrible. Does that sound familiar? Um, and, you know, Saquon Barkley is also going to be playing with the mental game of returning to the scene of the crime where his season was ended a year ago in week number two when he blew out his ACL uh, in the second quarter of the Bears game last year. So, you know, like so much to the point that he refused to talk about it in the press this week. Doesn't want to go back there as far as thinking about it. So, you know, it's uh, it's been a tumultuous up and down uh, year uh, for the Giants. It has not worked out the way that they'd hoped so much to the point that they're in the opposite spot that we're in. Like we're 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 looking forward to getting rid of our head coach or moving on, I should say. And, uh, you know, bringing in somebody else, see what 2022 uh, can hold with, you know, fresh eyes, fresh perspective, and hopefully a better mind for talent and how to use it. Um, the Giants are going the opposite way. Dave Gettleman, whose feet I'd like to kiss if any, I, ever, I ever get the chance to meet that guy for not, uh, 
for not butchering us in the draft is likely on his way out as the general manager in New York, but they're hanging on to Joe Judge, the head coach, which is which is probably the opposite of what we're going to see here in Chicago. Matt Nagy's as good as gone, but the the uh, status of Ryan Pace is still up in the air. It depends on who you're talking to, as far as uh, what his fate holds. You know, one rumor will tell you that uh, the McCaskies love him, and they you know they really don't want to let him go. And then the, the other rumors are, you know, the Bears are completely cleaning house from top to bottom uh, in the front office. So, like I said, only time will tell how that's all going to uh, work out. But uh, those are the the those are the spots that both of these teams are in right now. We're five and ten. The Giants are four and eleven. They're in last place in the air division, thanks to the Lions. We're in third place in ours. So. Um, you know, this, this has only gotten slightly better than, uh, than the Giants. And, and right now the Giants are probably very torn with what they, with Giants fans are very torn with what they want, uh, out of this game on Sunday. I mean, obviously they want to see their team win, but if the bears lose, then that first round pick that we gave them for Justin Fields gets higher. Cause I think at one point they had the number five and number six pick in the first round. I think if we win, that pushes us for because I think we, winning this past Sunday pushed us from like five to eight, and I think if we win again, we're out of the top ten. So, you know, and the reason that it's that it's kind of significant for us is because that also dictates where we sit in the second round. How close to the bottom of the first round can we get if we, you know, if we lose this game and God forbid lose next Sunday against the. Uh, Vikings, so, you know, how high of a second round pick can we have uh, in, in next year's draft? So, because we don't have a first rounder unless Pace or our new general manager pull off some kind of miracle trade and get a first rounder for somebody. But, um, you know, but anyway, keys to the game. And this isn't a cynical one like it's been for the last six or seven weeks to stop beating yourself key to the game it still applies to this game and I'll tell you why because we are a better football team than the Giants because we are expected to win this game uh, against New York because this is a football team that has found new and interesting ways to lose a football game uh, every week Uh, like last week they were tied three to three at halftime with the Eagles lost the game 34 to 10 so the wheels came off in the second half so um, this is one of those teams that is probably coming into the game not expecting to win, even though it's a winnable game for them because it's us. But this is probably a team that you don't want to give them any hope. You know, you don't want to beat yourself against the team that needs the help. You know, what I've been saying for the last six, seven weeks is we're playing teams that are better than us. We're going to have a tough enough time beating them on our own, let alone giving them help by, you know, having running plays for first downs, come back, turning over the football, uh, et cetera. Against the team that you are actually better than, you don't want to help them. You know, you don't want to give them hope or, God forbid, give them a boost, give, get them thinking that this game is a, a reality for them and they can pull this off and they can beat you. Because one of the most difficult things to beat in football, especially, is a team that believes in itself. My favorite one to cite is the uh, the 1991 Detroit Lions. Um, for those of you old enough to remember when offensive lineman uh, Mike Utley uh, broke his neck on the field, landed awkwardly on the field, broke his neck. When he was being carted off the field, he gave everybody a thumbs up as he was being carted off the field, and that became the symbol of the Detroit Lions in 1991 who actually went on a tear, went 12-4 and that year, won the NFC Central when it was still called the Central, won a playoff game, beat the Dallas Cowboys in a divisional round, went all the way to the NFC Championship game before one of the best teams ever in the Redskins in 91 uh, beat them in the NFC title game. So it's when, when you've got a team that believes in itself and has something to rally around, that's tough to beat no matter how talented your team is on the other side. So it's 
It's one of those things. So you don't want to give a team that's been down and out pretty much all year any hope whatsoever that they might be actually actually be able to come out and win this football game. So making mistakes that's going to help their cause and hurt yours is definitely a huge key uh, in this one. You you don't want these guys believing in themselves and their ability to be able to come away with a victory here. And one other really good way to do that, this is my only other key that I have, is to get off to a fast start. You know, if we win the toss, take the ball. Take the ball. Take the ball. Get it down the field. Hand it off to Montgomery. If Robinson is playing, let's get him involved. Get Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham out there. Cole, you know, Herbert, maybe even Jakeem Grant if he's up for it. The whole nine yards. Move that football down the field. Put it in the end zone. Get ourselves off to a fast start. And then turn Robert Quinn loose on this offensive line. See if we can get him to break Richard Dent's sack record on the first drive of the ball game. You know, getting off to a fast start will do the opposite of stop beating yourself by making mistakes. Instead of doing something that's going to give your opponents hope, go out there and do something that will drain them of what little little hope that they have. And uh, you know, like I think we can like if we can come out and be up ten nothing, fourteen nothing at the end of the first quarter, we should pretty much well have this thing wrapped up. So got to play the whole 60 minutes, though, because that's what happened to us against the Giants last year. The Bears went into halftime up 17-0. They got shut out in the, se- in the second half and had to hold on to literally the final play to beat the Giants uh, in week two last week, or last year, I should say. So, you know, got to play the full 60 minutes. But I think that this year's team, if we can go ahead and squash them down early you know, put up 10 or 14 in the first quarter, I think we can pretty much coast the the rest of the way to uh, a fairly easy victory and, and close out the home schedule on a positive note. So that's all I got. You know, we shut down Saquon. I think we've shut down their offense because God knows with Jake Fromm or, or Mike Glennon, they've got very little to look forward to at the quarterback position this week. Their best receiver, I think, is on injured reserve. He, or at the very least, he's not playing this weekend. So uh, it's setting up well for the Bears to be able to take advantage and, God forbid, may even cover uh, this week with the six-point spread. So we will see how it goes, and that is going to do it for the Bears Talk Underground in calendar year 2021. Come back on Monday, the first episode of 2022, uh, with the Bear Up and Bear Down talking about this game between the Bears and the Giants. Did we get the victory Was it pretty? Was it ugly? Was it fun? Was it awful? We'll talk about that and more. And then we'll do the deep dive on Tuesday to close the book on week 17. Get you ready for the season finale against the Vikings in week number 18. So come back on Monday for Bear Up and Bear Down. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Bears Talk Underground.